Kia ora. Welcome to 168 Days of Magic. This is the podcast that invites you to empower your creative spirit and get stuck into a project that nourishes, nurtures and excites you. Each episode, we'll be looking at how mindfulness, productivity and creativity all come together to give you the power, stamina and resilience to bring something new into the world. My name's Jordan Harcourt-Hughes and I'm an artist living on New Zealand's stunning Kapiti Coast, which is just an hour north of Wellington. I'll be your host and creative champion on this journey and I'll also be introducing you to some other wonderful people along the way, including some of our other local artists, wellbeing practitioners and life coaches to help us on our journey. Today in the episode, I'm going to be talking about my own creative project and how I've gotten through the experience of being stuck and not knowing what to do next. Uh, my podcast chat is with speaker, MC, and comedian Kitty Fitton. And on the mindfulness front, we're going to be talking about the art of sense making. So stay tuned. So on the creativity front today, I'm going to be giving you an update on my creative project. But before I do, I wanted to start kind of sharing some ideas about why a creative project is good for you. Now, I found this on lilystreet.com, the seven benefits of creativity. I'll share a link on the episode notes page. But one of the things that uh, this post talks about is that creative projects can help you become a better problem solver. I love this. I think this is so true. And I think it's particularly relevant uh, for me at the moment, going through the experience of being stuck with my project and trying to figure out how to move forward. So this is what uh, the seven benefits of creativity post says about becoming a better problem solver. There isn't a manual to being an artist and there isn't a manual for being alive. Obstacles and challenges throughout life are inevitable. However, when we make creativity a habit, we continue to learn new resourceful ways of problem solving in our artwork and in our life. So I thought I would share with you how I'm trying to figure things out at the moment because I have come across an experience with my creative project uh, of really being stuck and not quite knowing what to do about it. So just a bit of a recap on my creative project. I'm creating a series of uh, illustrations for a book that I'm writing at the moment. So it's going to be an illustrated style of novel. I wanted this creative project to help me get ready to publish the illustrated version of the book. So what I found is that um, there's quite a lot of variation in the illustrations that I've been doing stylistically. So you can kind of see a style to my art, but in terms of color palette and style and scale and scope, they're all quite different and they just don't look cohesive at the moment. So I've kind of just come to the point of realizing that actually it's just a whole collection of individual pieces that don't necessarily fit together in the way that I'd like. So that's the first thing that I've realized. The second thing is that I've done a lot of paintings that focus on one little bit of the story and then nothing else. So I've got a whole lot of different parts of the story that don't have any illustrative work at all. So it's feeling very unbalanced and um, not all of the thematic ideas that I've worked on in the story are represented in the visuals uh, in a way that you can connect the dots. You can see that what's going on in the story and you can see uh, some, something additional in the artwork. So for me, one of the things that I've realized is that I'm getting stuck with this challenge of connecting a logical story that has a plot and goes from A to B to C to Z and intuitive art that just kind of happens and it's, it's not logical, it's intuitive. I've got these two different creative processes working and I'm trying to map them to each other and I'm really struggling. So I am stuck and it's taken me a while to realize that actually I am stuck. I don't like the idea of being stuck. I like the idea of being able to keep moving, but 
I have realized, in fact, that I'm not making progress in the way that I would like. And I wanted to share that with you because I think it's really good to come to this sense of understanding that you are, in fact, stuck. So this is what I wanted to talk about today. I can tell you what it feels like. It feels vaguely frustrating and that sense of frustration has been growing to the point where I'm just, I can't figure it out. I feel cranky about it. And what I start to do is I I then start to find myself going and doing other things. So this is what we talked about a few episodes ago about what happens when resistance comes up. So resistance can surface when we've lost our way or it's gotten too hard and we don't feel like we've got the skills to keep going. So when that happens, we just find ourselves getting distracted by the minutiae of life. And I don't want that to happen, but I know it's been happening. I've kind of, I've let my project sit and I've just been doing other stuff and knowing that I'm not working and progressing the project, but not quite knowing why or how. So again, I just want to come to that sense of being able to understand the sense of um, being stuck and that surfacing, because it's a really good thing. As soon as you realize that you're stuck, you can make a plan to figure it out. So that's what I've been doing in the last little while. I've been making a plan to figure out what to do next. But I did want some time to process that sense of being stuck, because actually it's a really good thing. It's it's actually the point where you can say, right, I've got to make a game plan, because what I've been doing so far has gotten me to this point, but it's not getting me any further. What can I do? I'm trying to accept that I don't necessarily have all the answers. I've set out to do this creative project. I had the best intentions. I've got ideas, but there's gaps. I have to get help to figure out how to bridge those gaps. That means that I, to move forward, I'm going to have to think about doing things differently. I might have to ask some people for help. I might have to get some advice, some coaching, some guidance. So I might just need to consider the fact that to move forward, I have to do things differently. I might have to ask for help. I might have to get some advice. I might need some coaching or some guidance, or I might just need to experiment and throw caution to the wind and just go crazy and do things that I haven't done before, which is actually sounds really kind of fun, doesn't it? So I think that you get to this point and you realize actually the power is in your hands. You can make a game plan to figure things out, which is actually awesome. It means that you've taken ownership of your project. You're going to ask for help or send out a call to the universe to say, right, um, I I need some assistance to figure out um, the next steps. So um, I'm doing a bunch of things at the moment. I've decided to do a few things differently. So I've started to experiment with watercolors. Uh, And I've just chosen watercolor because I haven't used watercolor before. I'm an acrylics girl. But I thought moving out of acrylics into a different kind of medium might help just shift the way that I'm working a little bit. And I've also have been really attracted to watercolors because of the fact that I do layering on my paintings. So I can spend a lot of time on a painting. I can paint layers and layers and layers. But by the time I get to the point where I'm wanting to start applying pens or markers as an overlay for detail and just elements, it gets very hard to draw a neat line because I've had so many layers of paint on that it started to get quite rough as a surface. Um, So I'm really attracted to the idea of exploring watercolors because it's a thinner application of of color. And I kind of figured out that it might be easier to draw uh, with markers and Posca pens on top of the watercolor than it is uh, on acrylic. So I'm really keen to explore that. Another thing that I'm doing is I'm doing a course. So I've found uh, a cor- an online course by someone who is actually an illustrator. So I'm gonna do that course and see what I can learn and see how that kind of just shifts my thinking a bit about how to approach my creative project and how to get to the 
to get it, how to, how to be successful in illustrating a book. So that's all I'm going to say on this today, but that's just my update for you. I have gotten to the point where I've been stuck. I have taken a moment to celebrate and appreciate the fact that I've realized that I'm stuck and I have decided that I'm going to take control. I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to try some, some new things and experiment and do things differently and have a play at some different stuff to help me uh, just get out of that sense of being stuck. So I will uh, keep talking about this process of navigating my way through, but I thought that's enough of an update for today. I'd love to hear about your experience of your, if you've been stuck with a project before and how you've kind of become unstuck. You can email me at hi there at jordanharcourthughes.com. I'll also put that link on the uh, episode notes page. So get in touch and let me know how you've been uh, navigating a sense of being stuck. So my podcast chat today is with comedian, MC, and speaker Kitty Fitton. Kitty lives with Parkinson's disease, but she's positive and straight up. She uses her experiences to influence, inspire, and motivate others. And she does regular gigs in Wellington and Palmerston North using observational comedy in her own laconic style. Um, I saw something on Kitty's website that I thought I would share with you because I think it's great. So Kitty writes... I'm a person that gets things done and does them well. I won't just stand on the sidelines. I'll step right up and lead from the front. Life's what you make it, and despite life's hurdles, it's possible to maintain a positive outlook that can help you achieve anything that you set your mind to. How cool's that? So it's really great to have you here, Kitty. Welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to this place in your life, and what is the what is the thing that you most <laughs> want to achieve? I didn't choose to be at this point in, in my life. I didn't choose this particular place. I don't think many people really would. Um, and that is essentially what this is all about, in that people, you do not know where you're going, no matter how much you plan it and no matter how much you think you know where you're going. Life has a way of ripping the rug out from under yeah. your feet. So I started off clearly... Um, I'm a northern girl from uh, Leeds in West Yorkshire, and I was going to spend my entire life in Leeds, quite happy and never going to go anywhere, just like lots of people do. And then I met a Kiwi um, in Brighton, and there was no way I was going to go live in New Zealand. I had some children and thought, I know, New Zealand looks really attractive. (laughs) And uh, we ended up living on the Carpety Coast, um, very, very happy, all settled, and then uh, I was, I'd got a history of working in IT and thought I might retrain and do some stuff with coding and web development. And then one day I got a limp and the limp got worse. And cutting a long story short with lots of doctors and all sorts of information, they told me I had early onset Parkinson's, which had not been in the plan. Uh, And uh, it kind of gave me a new focus in that um, everyone says life is too short and you need to go out and live life to the full, but nobody actually does it. Mm. And it gave me a whole new shift in direction and uh, a bit of a (laughs) strong will to get out there and live my life before I can't. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. How did that diagnosis impact your approach to work and creativity in general? I've always considered myself artistic and, and creative. 
I went to a uh, little known fact is I actually studied art college many, many years ago before I went off and did, which is clearly why I work in tech. Um, <laughs> but I, I was very frustrated with the lack of um, images around women and, well, women and men, but people who were younger with Parkinson's. Mm. I couldn't find anyone that looked like me. Yeah. And uh, this frustration led me to complain to the editor of the local Parkinson's magazine, who then asked me to speak at a seminar. And so I spoke at the seminar and I, I wrote a very personal story about my diagnosis. And I realised that not only did it help me and give me an outlet, but it helped other people, and that was a crucial thing. People were coming up to me for months afterwards. It inspired people to find help, and it encouraged people to start taking their medication. And, and it, it felt really good to know that I could help people, so I continued to do that. So the speaking led to the comedy. Yeah, tell us about that. Well... <laughs> Well, the chap who didn't, got me to do the seminar, yeah. I bumped into him in a local cafe and he said, have you ever considered comedy? And I said, no. And he said, you really should. I think you'd be great. And I was like, don't be ridiculous. And then my Parkinson's nurse rang me up a few days later and she says, I've just bumped into, you know, Kevin. And he, he says, you really should do stand-up comedy. And I said, don't be ridiculous. This is, this is the most crazy notion. You can't be serious. And she said, no, no, he's really serious. He used to work in the media. You should definitely try this. And I thought, don't be stupid. Hung up on her. And then ever since I'd been diagnosed, I'd had this tiny little, you know, you should go try everything at least once. So I thought, oh, what the hell? And I looked online and comedy in Wellington stumbled across the Humorous Arts Trust, which is the Fringe Bar and Jerome Ch Chandra Hassan. And uh, I emailed them and said, hey, you know, my name's Kitty and I'm living Carpety. I'm interested in trying out comedy. And they emailed me back within the hour with like, yes, sweet, here's a date. And I thought, well, that was easy. Nothing like uh, jumping straight in. And I went down and uh, I'm a woman. So women are told we're not allowed to say this, but... Uh, turns out I was pretty good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, continued doing it. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting comment. Women aren't supposed to say that they're good. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I do a numerous types of public speaking, and one of them is a, a course on imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I did say that I, I actually practice looking in the mirror and saying, I am a public speaker, MC, and comedian. Yeah. Do you think in New Zealand that's a particular thing more than elsewhere or do you think it's a global phenomenon for women? Ooh, that's yeah. a good question. <laughs> I, I do think there is a global mm. lack of recognition of what women can achieve. Yeah. And um, I, I tell people I'm a feminist and then people will say, oh, oh, but that means... And I say, no, 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 you misunderstand me. I, I'm a feminist which means I think my opinions are just as valid as a man. Mm. It doesn't mean that I think I am better than mm. a man. It doesn't mean that I hate men. Mm. 
it, I, I've been a stay-at-home mom. I bake cakes. Yeah. I like glitter. <laughs> I wear pretty dresses and yeah. high heels. Yeah. I like painting my nails. But I also like lots of other stuff. I'm really good at tech. I'm really great with computers. And actually, I'm, I'm just a person. Yeah. And my opinions are valid. Yeah. That, to me, makes me a feminist. So how do you kind of get your inspiration? So when you get up on stage, are you just talking freely or do you kind of plan everything that you're going to talk about? Yeah, everything is meticulously is planned. Yeah. Well, some, not, not everything. I mean, there are, there are some things that do come off the cuff, but I'd say about 90% of it is planned in advance. And I think most, most nights have a theme, so I'll decide what I'm going to talk about. And I have a long list of ideas and then I'll sit and I'll write. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I practice by, I actually talk to myself. I wander up and yeah. down. And if it feels right and it feels yeah. like me, yeah. genuine, authentic, something I would say, then I go with it. Yeah. And if it doesn't feel right, then it generally isn't, if that makes sense. Yeah. I do run stuff past my kids. Yeah which is a terrible idea because they hate everything I do. But um, I, get, I get ideas or I'll see something or maybe I'll look at a picture or I see something in the street and if, it, if I think, oh, that's a bit weird, I'll write it down. Yeah. And then a bit later on, I'll go back and maybe something will come from it and some, maybe, maybe something won't. Uh, but I'll write huge tracts. Yeah. You'll write three or four pages but only use four sentences. Yeah which is a huge waste, but yeah, anyone can ramble on for hours as I'm proving yeah. right now, but it's difficult to say things succinctly. Yeah. I was interested to, and this is something that I kind of explore in my creative work, which is how the body feels things and senses mm -hmm. things. So I was interested in what you were saying about when you, pra when you practice in your work, it's a, it's a, you can feel and you can sense when it's right. So is there anything yeah. that you could talk to there about what that, how you get to that point where you have that relationship with your body that's a physical sense of knowing something? I think, so I, um, I'm 46 years old and, and, and I think at 46, I pretty much know who I am now, which is really good. And when I'm writing comedy or writing a blog post, I always try and make sure that it's as authentic and genuine as possible. Mm. And I, I often just brand myself. They'll say, I'm Kitty Fitton, and they'll go, it's just me, because that's who it is. And people will say, uh, oh, why don't you have a character, or maybe you should dress up. Or, and I was like, no, no, it, this is who I am. I am not a character. I am not a, playing a part. This is my life. And, and all my comedy is real. And um, people sometimes will say, oh, why don't you try saying this? Or why don't you put that story in? Or, but it just doesn't feel right in here, in, inside. And, and I think, well, people say that they like the stuff that I do. So if I start changing that, it's not authentic anymore. Yeah, yeah pe people always say, <laughs> whenever I talk about having Parkinson's, they go, they go do you really have Parkinson's? <laughs> and you feel like saying... Of course I do. What kind of person do you <laughs> yeah. think I am? Um, but real life is far, far stranger than fiction. Mm. And it really is true. And you've just got to look for it and find it because it's everywhere. Mm. 
So 168 Days as a podcast and a program is about uh, creativity, wellness, and getting things done. So you've been referred and recommended as a highly productive person <laughs> and a creative person. So what are five easy things that creative people can do to enhance their productivity? Set goals. Kind of know what it is you want to achieve. And I, I actually have a little whiteboard and I write my goals and objectives on that whiteboard for each week. And I have an overarching one for the month and then maybe three for the week. Write things down. I mean, I'm a web developer and I work in tech. I've got a very fancy, expensive mobile phone, but ultimately I still love my notebook. And I, I write a to-do list and I cross things off it. And I make sure that I, I go through each thing on that to-do list and I review it regularly and make sure the things are still relevant. Be nice to people because you never know who you're going to hit yeah. on the way back down. Um, but it's amazing the opportunities that can come just through networking, especially in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, so getting out there, meeting people. Be genuine. So, you know... Be yourself. I, I think that's really important. If you don't love what you do and you don't believe it, then it, if you don't believe in it, then nobody else is going to believe in it. And the most important one <laughs> is perseverance yes. and keep going and not don't give up because people get so far and then they kind of go, well, oh, it's, it's just really hard. Yeah. Well, if it was easy... Yeah. It wouldn't be worth it. Nice. Um, so do you have a kind of process when it comes to <clears throat> defining the kind of life that you want? So do you, do you have any kind of practice which is uh, kind of going through the inner process? So reflection, meditation, visualisation. Do you do anything in that space? I, I exercise um, and I do Pilates and yoga. Um, <laughs> I do joke that I, I, I don't really have any choice and that everyone needs an incurable neurological disease because you don't have any choice in the matter. You know, people say, oh, it's great, you go to the gym and you exercise. And I'm like, oh, I don't really have much choice if I want to continue living well. Mm. Having said all that, it's, it's remarkably good for you. And it, when, on the days when I don't exercise, I, I can really tell. I really notice it's incredibly cleansing. Um, I, I cycle a lot. I go down the beach, just take some, sounds really cheesy, but just some good lungfuls of air and look at the sea. And I always wanted to live near the sea, so I'm in absolute heaven. And it's, <laughs> it's just good to be alive. Oh. Well, that's great. Um, Kitty, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, we wish you all the best with your performing and speaking and training uh, and living the good life, essentially. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you've enjoyed my chat with Kitty today. If you'd like to find out more, you can visit her website, kittyfidden.com. So I wanted to talk today on the mindfulness front about the art of sense-making. So sense-making is a term that was introduced by Carl Week as a leadership capability. Um, and Deborah and Kona at the MIT School of Management uh, wrote a great paper on it called Sense-Making, Framing and Acting in the Unknown. And I just loved it the minute I saw it.
I think there's lots of metaphors in here for how artists live as well. So if you're creative, sense making is actually going to be a vital part of how you do your creative exploration. So anyway, I've taken this paper and I've extracted a bit that I thought I'd share with you because I think it's great. And I thought it was particularly relevant because of this experience of being stuck with my project. So making a new map of things is the perfect thing to do when you find that you're stuck and you've lost direction. So sense making is using as many different kinds of data and information and insights and senses to make a good map of how to move out of the stuckness and move into a place of action and being able to move forward in the best way possible. So sense making involves coming up with a plausible understanding or a map of a shifting world, testing this map with others through data collection, action and conversation, and then refining or abandoning the map depending on how credible it is. So Week suggested that sense making is the process of structuring the unknown by placing stimuli into some kind of framework that enables us to comprehend, understand, explain, attribute, extrapolate and predict. So it sounds like there's a lot there, but for me, I just found it a great thing to be thinking of when I got stuck and a great way to think about how to get unstuck. So when we lose our way, when we've lost our mojo and don't know how to get it back again, um, making a map of how to go forward is actually very, very helpful. What I also like about sense making is that there is no right map. You make a map, but it's just a map for the moment. It's not about finding the correct answer. It's about it's about creating an emerging picture that becomes more comprehensive the more information that you add to it. So the importance of sense making is creating a map that enables to act when the world we know seems to have shifted. So in the paper that I've read by Deborah and Kona, um, I love one of the uh, stories that she included, which is um, a story of a small military unit that was sent up on a training mission to the Swiss Alps. They didn't know the terrain very well and it began to snow and it snowed for two days. There were large drifts everywhere. It was hard to see through the clouds and the blowing snow. They considered themselves lost. They were cold, they were hungry, they were beginning to panic. Uh, but then one of them found a map in their pocket. Everyone crowded around trying to figure out where they were and how they could get out. They all calmed down, they located themselves and they plotted a route back to their base. They pitched camp, they lasted out the snowstorm and they moved into action. Of course, they didn't always hit the landmarks that they thought they would, so getting back involved still more map making and sense making. But they got help from the villagers along the way, they shifted their path when they faced obstacles, and then when they finally got back to base camp, they discovered that the map that they'd been using was actually a map of the Pyrenees and not the Alps. The moral of the story is when you're tired, cold, hungry and scared, any map will do. I think that is awesome. So I think that's actually really good because even the process, the active, even the action of making a map is helping you move forward because you've, you've come to that state of realizing that you need a map and that you need to take action and that you kind of, you need, you start thinking about how to do that. So even if it's not the right map, that's okay. It's just a map to get you moving. I thought that was such a brilliant example. So our week likens sense making to cartography. Um, maps can provide hope, confidence, and the so weak likens sense making to cartography, and maps can in fact provide that hope, confidence, and the means to move from anxiety into action. So, if you're stuck with your creative project, realize you're stuck, make a game plan, uh, use all of the senses that you that you've got, uh, sit with it for a while, think about everything that kind of you've been processing. And then uh, don't think about finding the best, the, 
then don't worry about having the correct way to move forward. Just find a way to move forward. I've been finding it really helpful. So hopefully that'll help you in your thinking as well. This is a quote from Marcel Proust. The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. So that's it for our episode today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Next time on the productivity front, we'll be talking about resetting to deliver your project past the halfway point. My podcast chat is with business coach Avril Maher. And on the creativity front, starting to document your work. 